through these three specific methods, you're going to see that it's often a matter of how do we cherry pick the right stories and also how do we metaphorically shine the spotlight in the ideal place for optimum performance. Here's the hard truth. People are conditioned to ignore your marketing message. Most of the stuff you'd create doesn't get read, doesn't get watched, and ultimately nobody buys from it. I'm Jason Lynette, and I'm here to help you stop being the best kept secret to the people you know you can help. If you're a business owner, and if you're ready to cut through the overwhelm of launching something that creates massive impact and brings in an awesome income, you are in the right place. Welcome to Attract Pre-Sold Clients. Now, this is a podcast all about ethical persuasion to create pre-sold clients. And when I say pre-sold clients, that refers to those people who are not just sold on the financials of what it would basically cost to sign up for you, yet they're also these people that are completely sold on the process, on the journey that you're going to guide them through, which means they're actually going to make use of the resources you share with them. It also means that they're likely going to become those raving fans in your business. So again, ethical influence, ethical persuasion, creating pre-sold clients. And I mentioned that because now we need to talk about sneeze guards. Yeah, sneeze guards. You know that part of a buffet? You're at one of those buffet restaurants and most often it's clear glass or some kind of clear plastic and it's that it's that shield between you and the food which prevents other people, or likely you, from breathing directly on the food that other people might eat, coughing directly on the food, which um, seems to be a thing we're all a little bit more concerned about these days. And you have to reach under that sneeze guard. You have to reach under that shield to access the food at the buffet. And clearly, if you haven't yet picked up on this, I'm kind of painting the picture of something that's going to be metaphorical here, because simply put, there's something blocking you from the food. The sneeze guard is often made out of glass or clear plastic. And clearly, clearly, catch that little pun. Clearly, it's there for a reason. Again, business podcast. Stick with me here. This is going somewhere. Because in that situation, there is an invisible shield between you and the food. The same way that it turns out, there's a bit of an invisible shield between you and your audience an invisible shield between you and your potential clients. And I mention this because let's nerd out on science for a quick moment. There is a part of the brain that's referred to as the reticular activating system. It's kind of that gatekeeper in the brain. It's the part that kind of sorts information between things that are familiar and things that are new. And let me say that again in a slightly different way because it's very important that you absorb this knowledge as to what the reticular activating system does. It organizes information as to whether or not it ratifies pre-existing belief systems, but it also does put up a bit of a guard, hey, that sneeze guard between you and new information. I'm going to keep it uh, family rated here. It is officially what we can refer to as the BS filter within the brain. And unfortunately, as we're here talking about sales, as we're talking about marketing, advertising, promotion, when it comes to sales, it is not like the clear piece of glass at a buffet. Because once there is sales resistance, it's no longer glass, it's no longer clear plastic, it's a brick wall. And it's not like you can reach under it 
the way that you could at a buffet to then reach over and grab the food. When there presents a situation of sales resistance, that thing is solid. And even worse, this is where other people who would talk about sales would start to introduce ideas like objection crushers and those things that are just hard-closing strategies, which guess what? That brick wall of sales resistance, that brick wall becomes even thicker. And I'm sharing this with you because what if there was a very simple, elegant, and artful way to completely, let's say, crumple down that brick wall, dissolve it into nothingness, and create a clear path between you and the decisions of your ideal clients. That's why this week's episode is all about story secrets for premium sales. Through the art of influential storytelling, you have the ability to completely bypass that sales resistance and respectfully implant new belief systems in the mind of your audience. The one thing you need to remember is that through belief-shifting persuasion, we can use stories to bypass that critical part of the brain. And there's one quote I'm going to insist that you lock into your mind as we begin this now. We teach our students that telling does not equal selling. So today, I'm going to share with you three very specific ways to use stories to persuade, to influence, and yes, to sell people into your products or services, so they're ready to say yes even before you ask for the sale. Do you know that experience where you're on the phone and you can hear the person on the other side? You can only hear their voice, but you can tell that they're smiling. So I'm on this call with this guy named Thomas, and I can hear the smile in his voice. Again, it's not a Zoom call. It's not video conference. We're on a simple phone call. And even though I can only hear his voice, I hear him smiling as he says to me, Jason, I've got a brand new problem. Thank you. Again, I can tell he's smiling. Yet if you were to simply read those words on like a sheet of paper, it wouldn't line up. His words are not quite matching what he's saying. The smile is huge on his face. You can hear it in his voice. Jason, I've got a brand new problem. Thank you. And it is helpful to know where this all began. Thomas previously had a horrible fear of public speaking. Whenever there was the opportunity to get up and speak in front of others, even a small crowd, even if he was around people that he felt very comfortable with, as soon as there was an audience, his hands would begin to shake, his legs would begin to tremble underneath his body, and even though in one-to-one -one conversation he was extremely eloquent, he would begin to stutter on his words and just very clearly not feel comfortable. And I tell you, the turning point in the original part of his story was that he realized this was something that had reached a pinnacle of just, it needed to be addressed. Enough was enough because it was about the point that he was finding every reason to back out of the presentation. I mean, this is a guy who would actually call in sick to work to avoid public speaking. Now, the reason though, he was more specifically reaching out to me originally, was that there were several vice president roles in the company he worked for. It was one of those companies where they have like multiple people all with the title of vice president of this division, vice president of that division. And he'd kind of figured out, you know, smart guy, he figured out that becoming more visible at work, by becoming more visible at work, that would be the key to more likely increase his odds of getting one of those coveted vice president positions. So we worked together on the fear. 
And as often as my style, it wasn't just about working on the emotional triggers of the fear. When you know your words serve a specific purpose and you're confident in your delivery and your messaging, that's where that confidence grows up even stronger. So in addition to addressing the emotional components of the fear, together we addressed his language. We put meaning to his words, to his gestures, and he left a happy client and he shared his success online. So time passes, it's about a year later, and I recognized his name as he called. I'd actually saved his personal phone number in my phone. And this is where the phone's ringing. I answer it immediately. I'm going, hey, Thomas, good to hear from you. What's up? And he goes, Jason, I've got a brand new problem. Thank you. And again, that smile was so big on his face, even though I could only hear him. Now, here's the update to the story, though. And this is why he was calling me that day with the smile on his face, informing me he had a brand new problem. Well, he got the job. And by getting that vice president promotion, I got to tell you, the job came with a $60,000 a year pay increase. In addition to the income, he reported back to me that he was sleeping better at night. He was more peaceful at home. His wife had commented that he was less irritable around his kids. And they were all enjoying the fact that he had a much more flexible schedule because he had gotten over that thing that was standing in the way. And by acknowledging that it was his issue and it was something that he needed to address, it helped to build a sense of confidence that spilled over to other parts of life. He enjoyed the fact that it was a more flexible schedule. He had more say in terms of the projects that he got to work on. And here's the part that I love the best. Here's the part that even surprised him. He, he came into the work originally, <laughs> I have to use his exact quote, uh, with the goal to make public speaking, quote, suck less. So he was kind of looking to take something that was a problem and just kind of bring it to neutral. And instead, this is the part that really surprised him. Now, he absolutely loves public speaking. He enjoys it. He looks forward to it. He started reading books. He started watching different TED Talks, looking for little nuances that he could kind of adapt to his own specific style. He took something that he used to label as a problem and turned it into a strength, which is helping him to continue to grow even further in his career. So again, brand new problem. What was it? Well, in the new position, he had to manage a team of people. You know, previously he was on the team. Now he was in a managerial role and that was causing him some extra stress. And as he put it, you know, it's kind of okay because I can put up with it with this extra $60,000 a year. You know that whole first world problem thing where it's not that your problems go away when you become successful. It's more that as you become more successful, your problems become more interesting. And having to manage this team of people, he said to me, he goes, Jason, if you remember, I've got like three teenage boys at home. I don't have to say to them, look, you don't have to like each other. You just have to work together. But I'm having to say that sort of thing at work. And again, thank you. <laughs> I'd rather have this problem than the old problem. And look, I know that I could use the techniques you taught me. I know I can make use of the skills that you shared with me look, Jason, I just know I get a faster result when I work with you. How soon can I come back? And we worked together, we dealt with that stress, and I've kept up with this guy and just he's loving the speaking and loving progressing even further in his career. This is where 
if we were together, I would go and seen and then do a silly little bow. Uh, let's begin to talk about some of the things that were embedded inside of that story, which actually dates back, I believe, 2014 or so. It would be the time frame of this. And there's three specific methods. There's actually a bunch of moving pieces to how that story was. I'm going to be careful when I say constructed, because step one, remember the all-important rule that if you lie, your pants are going to be on fire. True story. Look it up. It's a thing. Or I'm going to paraphrase a classic quote from Mark Twain, the man who tells the truth doesn't have to remember what he said. And this is where I'm going to caution you before we dive into this. Do not make up stories. Do not make up things that cannot be verified because uh, it's so much easier now to be, quote, found out if the things you're doing and saying are not quite in alignment. This is why it's one of my big uh, sort of principles, one of my big values to be someone who actually ran a successful business of my own for many years before I started teaching it to others. So take note of the very specific word I just used, constructing the story, not inventing the story. Through these three specific methods, you're going to see that it's often a matter of how do we cherry pick the right stories? And also, how do we metaphorically shine the spotlight in the ideal place for optimum performance? Here we go. Story secret for premium sales, number one. I call this the Hollywood effect. The Hollywood effect is basically starting the story in a place of action, starting the story in a place of curiosity or fascination. Basically, it's sweeping people into the action. And I call it the Hollywood effect. I have a background working in production management, everything from corporate product rollouts to political fundraisers to regional theater. And the way that the way that plays were written, the way that movies were produced back in like the 1940s and 1950s, the old style was they began with a ton of exposition. Mr. Johnson, it is so good to be here with you on the afternoon of your daughter's birth, celebrating, and it's like all exposition at the beginning of the story. Go watch any of the Marvel movies, go watch nearly any action movie, and you are thrown into the experience at the very beginning of it. It sweeps you into the story and it draws you in. This is one of the biggest storytelling mistakes that I often see people make. And I may get up on a bit of a soapbox here for a moment because when we don't shine the spotlight, remember the opening of this episode with the sneeze guard with the brick wall? When we start to telegraph what's about to happen, when we start to call our shot. It does put up a bit of a guard. And this may be a little idiosyncrasy of mine, yet it just stands out, maybe perhaps because I teach this uh, in a very different way, but it does kind of stand out when it begins. Now, I'm going to tell you a story to illustrate this. And the moment you do that, it's kind of putting people more into a passive situation. We want to always activate our language. We want to always activate our audience. So the moment you say, I'm going to tell you a story about this, suddenly it puts up a bit of that wall. May not be the full brick wall I talked about earlier, but it creates some separation. It creates some distance in that experience. The way that if you were in a movie theater, people are more likely to engage in conversations during the opening trailers. Once the movie starts, hopefully 
they shut up. So by saying, I'm going to tell you a story, it often does put up a bit of a guard and it creates some distance. This is like the next door neighbor to one that's a little bit more of a uh, personal pet peeve of mine, which is when the speaker on stage goes, let me get vulnerable here. And in my head, I immediately go, no, you're not. <laughs> Instead, bring people into the experience. Go there organically if you're moving towards vulnerability. Sweep people into the story. So to go back some examples that you've already heard inside of this episode, where did I shine the spotlight at the beginning of the actual Thomas story? I began with something of the nature of, you know when you're on the phone and you can hear that person on the other side is smiling? And I, this is a very out-of-date metaphor. It's kind of like those old Polaroid pictures where I'm slowly revealing the pieces of the story and it's coming together and that just does this amazing funnel-like effect to grab attention and bring people into the actual story. If you look at the earlier sort of intro that I did, you know, I began by saying this is a business podcast all about ethical persuasion to create pre-sold clients. And then suddenly I just yanked you into the story around sneeze guards and the glass shields at buffets. So Hollywood effect. If you go back to some of the other episodes or listen, this is a thing I do very frequently in most of my content. Bring people into an experience. By doing so, you find this ability to grab attention and bring them into something. Uh, those that have been following what I do for a number of years, you may realize it's a bit of a game I sometimes play to go, how far into the presentation can I get before I ever introduce myself? If everybody else is standing up at an event and going, hi, I'm Sarah and I'm an accountant and I'm looking for nonprofits, let that be every reason to stand up and sweep people into a story immediately. Check out what you might stop on if you're looking at Instagram, you know, Instagram Reels, Facebook Stories. Uh, TikTok is a great example of this. It's the ones that grab our attention in the early stages of that video. Those are the ones that we often stick on. Hollywood effect, find a moment of action in your story, sweep them into that moment at the very beginning of it. One of the previous episodes, I think I began this show by going, cockroaches. We had cockroaches, and um, that's a great way to keep people listening, it turns out. So that's the Hollywood effect, story secret for premium sale number one here. Here's the next one, prove through stories. And I made it a point in this episode to give you something you can go back and reference and perhaps even model, but Thomas was my client, not yours, tell your own story, which would be that as you consider that Thomas smiling story, Imagine if instead of telling that story, and this is a parody of the opposite of it, if I simply said to you, hey, by the way, the stuff I teach, it works. Even worse. <laughs> if I said, imagine the stuff I just uh, taught you. Yeah, this stuff works. Trust me. Oh, that brick wall is back. That brick wall is several layers deep now. Remember the phrase I shared earlier. Telling does not equal selling. So even though that was a relatively brief story of a client win of mine, which also helps to, you know, illustrate the story as to when I made a bit of a transition in my world, not just working with people one-to-one -one in more of the emotional coaching side of things. 
Yet then as it expanded over to influential language, hypnotic language hacks, and persuasive communication, by moving it in that direction, that's where now like we have a team of coaches. As we work with our clients, yes, you're getting access to me, yet also we have a whole team that's helping you to work through your messaging and amplify what you do. You, you know your business can change people's lives. You just don't yet have the right words to consistently inspire people to take action. You hear all this talk about every mechanism and everything works, you know, podcasting, webinars, uh, Facebook groups, TikTok, uh, going on YouTube, all this stuff works, yet for the majority of people who do that stuff, it doesn't work. And the reason is their core influential messaging is not yet, well, influential. And I could stand here and I could talk about all the things that I figured out and I think are important, yet I'll quote, I think this is a Russell Brunson line of the importance of how I learned it and how I earned it. And again, the sort of next door neighbor of that is using the story to illustrate all the important points. So if you were to go back through that Thomas story, here's some of the takeaways that are embedded inside the telling of that story. My clients get results. If I stood here and I said, I have this percentage rate of success, even if I had third-party data backing up a specific percentage, a bit of that reticular activating system BS wall starts to go up. So instead, by telling the story of a client's success, it allows you to tell yourself the story. Jason gets results with people. Also, there was a segment of there about changing the communication. What's the point? Words are important. Now, that's one of those things that if I, if I stood here and I said that, you would nod and go, yeah, absolutely, because it's kind of an automatic response. Yet it's illustrating it from a very different angle that public speaking fears uh, imposter syndrome, fear of putting yourself out there, holding yourself back even from like social media, blogging, writing, any sort of content creation, which is absolutely essential nowadays as an entrepreneur. Now it's connecting it to something that you're realizing you need to do. So if I just said words are important, it would not have the same weight as to hearing what happened with Thomas. Here's the other takeaway in the story. And this one's extremely subtle yet massive spotlight was shined on this one. Jason's process has value. That specific story was cherry-picked because this was a guy who earned an extra $60,000 a year by getting the promotion that was the result of overcoming the challenge. So then, here come the air quotes and some theoretical language, if my rates for what I do were less than $60,000, they are, uh, if they were less than $60,000, then hell, that's a bargain. And that's a slightly more covert strategy called price marination. Price, It's a price marinade. It's allowing you to create an anchor in your brain that here's the guy that the results of what we did together generated $60,000. And again, later on, when you hear what the fees are to work with me privately, what the fees are to go through our consulting service, again, they're not $60,000. It's only $59,000 if you act now. No. Uh, <laughs> but it was creating this connection to a value. So also embedded inside of that story is that technically speaking, what I do for those that hire me and my services and work with my team is not a price, it's not a cost. No, clearly it's an investment.
because for what he paid me, it had this massive, massive payoff. I'm spending a bit more time on this one because so often when I hear people go, oh, as soon as they hear the price, they're out. It's because you didn't do this thing I'm talking about right now. How can you plant the seed for this price marinade in advance so by the time they hear your session rate, your program rate, whatever the pricing may be, they realize now, again, this is not something that's going to cost them anything. It's clearly an, an investment. There's some other subtle points in the story, though, which is that, and again, I'm saying them more as quotes. I don't tend to talk in, Jason doesn't tend to talk in third person here. Okay, that was silly. Uh, Jason aims to build independent change. So again, he said, I know I could use the things you taught me. Also, Jason's available for additional support. Jason builds a genuine relationship with his clients. I saved his personal cell phone and my phone. And it's showing that this is a person who, yes, cares and actually wants their clients to succeed. Isn't just looking at it as the, sweet, they paid me, next. No, instead, it's about, you know, this was a message I received from a client just yesterday. Um, people who actually care about the outcomes of their clients and continuously improve what they do to build a better result for their audiences. All of that's embedded inside of the story. Jason's available to his clients and the benefits come far beyond even the original change. The end of the story, he just wanted to reduce stress, right? Yet what was the ultimate effect after the stress was gone, sleeping better, less irritable around his kids, more flexible schedule, the real belief shift, he enjoys public speaking now. This is where you have people in your audience beginning to think of the results after the results. And as soon as they're thinking in that future-paced outcome, I call it product pacing, because they've put themselves into the product, into the service you provide, and now they're selling themselves on the results of the results of the results, which embeds even deeper that pre-sold relationship, which all begins by taking action right now. I knew I was going to spend the most amount of time on this second story secret for premium sales, prove through story. So basically, here's the action off of this one. Consider what are some of the things that often pop up as objections? What are the concerns? And then what from your experiences can you use to then begin to illustrate the answer? Now, for those, just to keep this brief for the episode here today, I've talked about it in terms of how to use your own personal experiences. There is a slightly elegant way that we teach. It takes a little bit more detail to go through. Yet for those of you that are working with us already, we talk about how to modify someone else's story, not to make it your own, don't do that, but instead how to tell the other story whether it's something in the news, uh, whether it's some research around the work that you do, or even if it's some sort of related result, there is an artful way to then prove through story, even if that's not your story. Though I know your time is valuable. Uh, you know how to find us if you've got further questions, because we have one more story secret for premium sales. And honestly, this one's my favorite. I love all of them. This one's perhaps my favorite. Elevation. Elevation is a belief-shifting persuasion strategy. And there's a quote that comes to mind that I had to use uh, just this week because we had someone who connected with someone on the team and uh, it was a positive intended conversation, yet something was taken out of context. And 
All I'll say is this. Here's the point of elevation. If you fight for your goals, you can have them. If you fight for your limitations, you can keep them. I will tell you that is not my quote. I tried to find it, couldn't find the original source, and I'm certain mine is a paraphrase, but I will give external credit to whoever said that. If you fight for your goals, you can have them. If you fight for your limitations, you can keep them. So I bring this up because the elevation persuasion principle is like a magnet. It draws in people that are more of the same. Remember, reticular activating system, sorting between familiar and different. So like a magnet, when you use stories, what you want to do is draw in your dream clients. You want to draw in those people who are going to hold themselves accountable. And in my story, I figured out over time, after more than a dozen years of working with thousands of clients, I kind of found the people I was the most excited to work with were business-minded people. I can work with somebody who is like Thomas was in the story, who is the employee, yet there was a very entrepreneurial journey that he had to go through to climb up the corporate ladder. The people that I'm the most passionate about, entrepreneurs, self-made business people, the folks who are bootstrapping their way from nothing up to something incredible. So by telling the Thomas story, it was an elevation strategy because I am calling out, hey, business-minded people who have a fear of speaking in public, who have a fear of putting yourself out there, that's what I work with. Y'all know how to find me at rackpresoldclients.com. So that's where the elevation works like a magnet. Respectfully, it also repels away a different audience. This is why I share the quote, if you fight for your goals, you can have them. If you fight for your limitations, you can keep them. It repels away the quote, stuck in the mud, external blame people. And that was the interaction that happened in one of our communities that happened in private chat. Yet it was very clearly calling out, if you're not ready yet to hold yourself accountable for the outcomes you can create, that might be a different service. But instead, if you can look at where you are right now and say, look, it's not because of the economy. It's not because of who's in this political office. It's instead what I'm currently doing. That's what needs to change. That's who we help the best. And those are also the people who show up. And it's funny, you know, actually make use of the resources, actually schedule their consulting appointments, actually do the homework. Funny how that works. The people who actually use your stuff end up being the most successful people. So can you see how through elevation as a principle, we can start to magnetically draw in the people we want more of and without having to be a jerk and do old school um, false exclusion, you know, if it was like a weight loss thing going, look, if you're one of those people who just expects me to have a magic wand and bonk you on the head and fix everything, go ahead and log off of this webinar right now. Now, granted, that is a worthwhile strategy in the right place, yet maybe deeper into the conversation, maybe deeper into the rapport. So elevation, like the Hollywood effect, shines the spotlight on not just specific moments, but also shines a spotlight on the specific audience you want to respond. So it attracts two audiences because like attracts like. People like Thomas responded to me more. As I started to tell his story, with permission, of course, as I st- without giving his you know, last name, personal phone number, and where he sleeps at night, but by telling that story, more people like him started to respond to me. 
And you could maybe call it law of attraction if you want, yet by broadcasting that message, the people who wanted to follow a similar story followed through with that. Thomas was someone who was already successful in his own right and recognized he could do even more. That's who I love working with. It also attracts a slightly different audience, which I would call this the quality problem seekers. These are the people who go, oh, I want that problem. Oh, I, I wanna have that situation. Which if you go back to the third episode of this program, the title of that episode was How I 50 x My Income. I told the story of leaving behind a career that was no longer satisfying me. I was burning out hideously. And the turning point was a moment where I was in my office and everything changed. Now, there's actually two stories I have of that nature. One of the stories is about how I put the rent for my first office on a credit card because I didn't have the cash. And there's more moving pieces to that specific story. The owner offered a discount if I had prepaid the rent and the discount was a much better deal than the 3% interest on a balance transfer deal from a Capital One credit card. So there's more to it as to why I put it on a credit card, but that's part of the startup story. And like attracts like, if I amplify the story of being the quote, broke startup, who couldn't pay the cash to cover the rent, which granted there was a sweet deal to cover the entire year uh, and I financed it. I paid my rent to Capital One. When I told that story, forgive the direct, direct language here, yet there were more broke startups responding to me. And it's not that I changed the story. I lifted up out of that story and I found one that was similar. Third episode of this program, How I 50X My Income, the story I told in that episode was years later, where I had a fully booked schedule. And the business, though, wasn't yet scalable. It wasn't yet as profitable as it could be. I knew I was capable of more. And it was a matter of shifting how I talked about what I did to then build the business that now I have. So when I tell that story, who responds? It's an elevation story. People that are currently in that situation, they're fully booked, yet clearly there's something missing. Or it also brings in people who are startups. However, they're not holding on to that broke startup mindset. They're people who are ready to take action, ready to hold themselves accountable, and ready to do something about it because they want that situation. So I'm going to recap all of this for you. And this might be an episode you go back and listen to again to hear these nuances inside of the stories I told. Hollywood effect. Sweep them into the experience. Again, this may be a personal thing. Don't call your shot bring them into the experience rather than going, I'm going to tell you a story. Bring them inside. Remember this quote, invite your audience to care before you ask them to listen. That's the Hollywood effect. Then prove through story. Influence is a journey of helping people create specific belief shifts through ethical persuasion and use your stories to prove points. Remember, telling does not always equal selling. And finally, Elevation. Amplify the upward momentum of the story that you represent to your audience so that you now magnetically draw in the audience you wish to serve so they sell themselves into what you do even before you ask for the sale. Thank you for listening to Attract Pre-Sold Clients, where you get strategies proven to work in businesses around the world. I'm Jason Lynette. 
And if you're ready to crush the confusion of what to say and how to say it to consistently attract your dream clients, check out our free resources today at attractpresoldclients.com.